Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, welcome to church today. We're glad that you are here. Where have you been? That's so exciting. Uh, uh, There is growth track today. Uh, Number three, if you want to get involved here at this here church, that's the one to go to. You don't even have to go to number one and number two. You can just come to number three today with Joel and Michelle, which, which let me just say, it's probably going to be a little long, right? So they kind of like to chirp a little, talk a little. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want you to know that you can get involved at church because we have a lot of big things going on around here. We need some help, right, with the students, that little student section over here for the teenagers, right? We got, we got a bunch of signs and a bunch of flags and a bunch of marketing stuff that needs to go out every day. If you want to help do that, talk to somebody important, whoever that is around here. Anybody, pretty much anybody sitting in the front, right? Or holding a door, okay? Nobody else sits in the front, just the, the people who have all the responsibility. And one more thing I want to say to you, especially everybody. If you receive an email that comes from me, Asking you for money, just ignore it, okay? I will never contact you and ask you for money. I have, uh, I think there's two people actually who are impersonating me as a pastor, as a minister, as a pastor of the Bridge Church, and he's sending emails to people, um, church family, and not even church family. I think they're just getting viewers off YouTube or Facebook and our friends or whatever. And uh, he's soliciting those people for money. So if you get a solicitation for money, just ignore it. I, we will never, ever, ever do that. Okay? Talking about solicitation for money, I want you to give me an opportunity to give today. (laughs) What a transition, huh? That was great. (laughs) Sure, you don't learn that in college. Right? So if you want to give today, you can use an envelope right there in the seat backs, put it in that box right there, or the one in the foyer. Um, you can text, like it says on there, it says Bridge Live, all capital letters, to 77977 up in the top. And PushPay will send you a link to be able to give. Super easy, super simple. Throw your stuff in there. Or if you're a um, church center person at the Bridge Church, that's super easy, too. It's right, one of the little tabs at the bottom. Super easy, okay? Everybody all right? Everybody's good? It was only 18 degrees this morning, so you should be awake. What the heck is that all about? All right. Well, welcome, everybody, on the stream, on the podcast today. Uh, if you didn't receive a notepad on the way in, they're in the back. Three ring binders are free, and they're for you, and if you're lucky... Tony will put a sticker on it that says Bridge Church, like some of these hoo-yahs have around here. And it's for you to keep, to keep your notes in so that uh, in your secret place during the week, you can revisit what we're talking about and grow, right? Our whole mantra 
for all of this ministry is for you to increase your personal relationship with Jesus. Right? Not about a church, not about a pastor, not about anybody. It's about Jesus and him crucified. Amen? Let's all stand together. Get ready to receive. Stick your paws out like this. Because we are gonna, we're going to receive this morning the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray the Holy Spirit into this place to feed your flock, Lord. Father, that uh, if the Holy Spirit's not here, it's just good information. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that these words land in fertile ground, produce fruit in the lives of these your believers. And, Father, we pray that lives are changed. Satan is stopped. Growth takes place, and everybody leaves this place different than they came in. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the miracles, signs, and wonders that are taking place in this room today and on the stream. And, Lord, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. If you can receive it, say amen. Amen. I receive it. You may be seated. All right. It's week three. In this here series, we're talking about overwhelmed by grace, right? Most is, uh, every year we start the year with a grace series, minus the prophecy thing that happened a couple of weeks ago because of the fast, which is over. Hallelujah. I'm going to eat like three times today. <laughs> feel terrible tomorrow about it. <laughs> right? So this is our prayer for you guys, right? Anytime we teach a series on grace, it's about, it's about you being just overwhelmed by the goodness of God, by his grace. Because without his grace, this is just work, right? We're just working to try to please a God that's impossible to please, right? If we looked at it that way. So there's, we're going to talk today and next week we're going to end the series. But we're going to talk about law and grace today. Because the law is, is a problem, and if you come from traditional denominational church, you can be in trouble because maybe things were taught maybe incorrectly or maybe we just didn't read chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, and 8 of Romans, right? And that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, today we're going to talk about the marriage of grace, okay? How many of you know that you're married, whether you're single or not? Right? When you come into the body of Christ, and even before you come into the body of Christ, in the, in the situation we live in on this earth, there are do's and do nots. And if you come from denominational church, let me push my dentures in, you, you have been taught this is right, this is wrong. Right? We were laughing the other day, we were at Daisy's little thing, and it was in a junior high school that's like five times as big as this whole building. And I was like, the, the junior high I went to had one hallway with an angry priest with a yardstick at the end, right? Still paying for those things. And it was like, if you did wrong, you were punished, right? And we were all taught that. That's the society we live in, right? How many of you know God doesn't work that way? And even before we came into the body of Christ, and even in some churches today, there is uh, the law is taught in those churches, the law, right? So we're going to talk about that today. We were married to the law when we were first saved, right? When we, even before then, we were married to the law. And this marriage that we have 
It's, it's not a good thing <laughs> because you do wrong, you get paid for it, right? You do right, and it really doesn't matter because what you do right isn't enough to qualify for a blessing according to the law, okay? So there's very much confusion between law and grace. And there's always that phrase, are we under law or are we under grace? Now that word under has a connotation with it, like, ooh, oh, it's like pressure, like dominance, right? Be obedient or else type, under, we're under, you're under my authority. <laughs> Give me something to beat these children with, right? That's the society we live in. You break the law, you go to jail, right? You break the law, you can never please God. That's the mentality I was taught growing up. Because of that, I thought I could never, ever have a personal relationship with God because I thought I was always in trouble. I was never good enough, and I couldn't qualify, right? Listen to what Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says. I, I read this verse right after I was saved, and I was like, I, I did what most people do, and I go, that doesn't pertain to me, even though it's past Matthew chapter 1, which is called the New Testament. Even though a couple weeks ago we talked about a new covenant with better promises, this didn't qualify for me because I was too bad. I was too far gone for salvation. How about those apples? Anybody ever hear that? Yeah. That's a blessing to your life. For sin shall not have dominion. Say dominion. dominion. Over you. For you are not under the law, but under, say, grace. grace. But then you see that, and you're like, that doesn't pertain to me. Even after I was saved for a long time, that didn't pertain to me because I wasn't good enough to qualify. Right? We operate with, we talked about this last week in the book of Hebrews, right? I encourage you to go listen to the past two messages in this series. But we have a conscience problem because we're taught sin all the time. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Sit down. Be quiet. Pay your bills. Do this. Do this. Do this. Right? And when we don't do those things, what happens? Our conscience freaks out. And we're like, what? What do you mean I can't do these things? Then what happens, in my case especially, I, I had a spirit of rebellion that came on me that anybody tried to talk to me about Jesus and I just undressed him with my mouth. And I was super good at, about it. And then you get saved. And then what do you got to do? You go, I'm sorry. Jesus saved me. He loves me and I'm sorry. Because it was everybody, you know, most of Michelle's clients at the time were saved. And I was just like, get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. How many of you know, like Paul on the road to Damascus, the hardest ones he puts on, his fa on your face, and it's just this come-to-Jesus moment that is amazing. And I'll, I'll never forget it, right? So remember, sin shall not... It could be your refrigerator verse for this week. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's for me. That's for me. Right? So this question... Grace or law? Hard to answer. Hard to answer if you've never been taught. And, and a lot of times, 
I know for me, I could read Hebrews over and over and over and never catch that consciousness of sin thought that I've been taught for a long time. It's like you need to be conscious of your sin and you need to repent. Go say 27 Our Fathers and 83 Hail Marys. And I'm like, I can't even count that high. Right? And don't come back until you're done. That was another one. I'm like, really? I can't go to church until I've... That doesn't even make sense to me. I'm not, you know, Catholic Church is a wonderful thing, but I'm just saying the way those things were done and the guilt and condemnation that came with it really, and I'm just saying, talking about me and nobody else, it affected me in a way where I may have never come to Christ because of the mentality that was taught to me when I was a child. Okay, so today is super important. I want to encourage you to take some notes. Now, Paul, the apostle, wrote this, this letter to Rome, to the Roman church, because he had the experience of experiences in his, in his life on the road to Damascus changed everything, right? You all know Paul was a Pharisee. He was cha- trained in Jewish law. So there was nobody with more experience that can talk about grace and law than the Apostle Paul. And he draws an analogy right here of marriage, okay? Showing that the death of one partner frees the other one from a lifelong commitment, right? Look at Romans chapter 1, or uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's talking to Jewish people, right? In Rome. That the law has, he just said in chapter 6, that, he, that it doesn't, sin doesn't have dominion over us. But now he's saying that the law has, or uh, literally rules, has dominion over a man as long as he lives. That is automatic. For the woman, now he draws this marriage thing here, and he says, For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. How many of you taken that marriage vow? You stand on the throne, right? And you're like, I plan to be married to you until I die or you die in sickness and health, rich, poor, all that, right? That's where it comes from. As long as he lives, but the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband, right? Not, not, there's no more, you're not tied to that person because he or she is dead. So then if, verse 3, while her husband lives, she marries another man, this is right out of Deuteronomy 21 and 24, she will be called an adulteress, but if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. And let me tell you something about a covenant, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Anytime. You cut a covenant, whether it's marriage, whether it's a contract, whether it's a deal, somebody has to die if you're going to break the covenant. That's God's rules. He did it, not us. It's not a thing. So all of you married people, quit nudging each other. Just look at the floor. All right? Right now, um, he's, he's, this is imperative. Listen to what happens. This is an important verse. Verse four. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead. Interesting phrasing. To the law, through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him, with a capital H, Jesus, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Okay? It's important that we understand that we are bearing fruit to God 
after we're saved, not works to please God. We're bearing fruit to God. Kind of important. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. What's the law for? To show you you need a Savior. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We're at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now. Say, but now. But now. That's the best phrase in the whole Bible. But now, I was dead. But now, we have been delivered. Say delivered. delivered. Circle that word in your Bible. We're going to come back to it. From the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. That word spirit, just like in John 15, pneuma. Greek word pneuma. That's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who draws us to Christ. This is what you get in your, your heart beating fast in that, that vacuum feeling right before you're saved. This is the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus, right? Our personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit also assures us of salvation, enables us to live the victorious life, and understand the Bible and pray according to God's will. Holy Spirit's kind of important. Lucky for all of you people, you go to a church that's a spirit-filled church. Hallelujah. All right, so in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the law. So let's, before we talk about the new husband, let's talk about the old husband for a second, right? The law. And we'll come back to this in a second. But here's the husband that we're married to even before we're saved, and most of the time after we're saved if we don't have understanding, and that's the law. The law is always going to point out to you, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong, you you did this kind of right, but I'm never going to show you how to do it better. I'm just going to point out to you what's wrong, and it's never going to go away. And the best thing about the law, guess what? It's never going to die. It's going to be with you forever. Isn't that a blessing? I'm Pastor Dan. I'm here to encourage you. Thanks for coming. Okay? So the law, let's just define the law, right? If you want to read the law, you can go in Exodus. You can read Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the law the second time. That's what that means in the Hebrew. You can read all those laws. Ten commandments, Exodus 20. Write them down, memorize them, put them up on the wall. It's important. Right? Because it's going to tell you that the law is an overbearing, critical, fault-finding, judgmental husband who's never going to die. That's who the law is. That's what the law is. And you get that a lot of times from your job, from whoever. We're just going to leave that alone. Just no nudging, no looking at your spouse. Just say yes. yes. Right? Amen. But here's the good news. Right? What's gospel mean? Good news. There's good news that the Bible, your God, your Father, does not leave you there. And this is how this works. It's a hopeless situation. You can never please God by keeping the law. And here's the thing that that really, I had to sit down and look at the ceiling and think about this for a minute. God planned it this way. God made a plan for the law to be used in your favor But God never left you there because there was a Messiah, Yeshua, Yeshua, God is salvation, right? He's never going to leave you there. He knows you're married to the law 
and the law's never going to die, and there's no hope in the law. But Jesus is our hope, because guess what? The Bible doesn't leave us there. Although you were married to the law, there's only one way out of a covenant if that's a marriage, and that's somebody has to die. Guess who's going to die today? Mm -hmm. We all do. We all do, right? The reason that we have been released, we're going to read in a minute, right? That word released and that word um, uh, delivered from the law is because we die to it, right? If we read in um, Romans 6, 4, if you flip back a page, this is the Rashid translation of this verse. He says that... Paul says that when we die with Christ, listen to me carefully because this will change your life. I'll read the verse in a minute. He says, when we die with Christ, we are buried with him through baptism. Baptism, inner or an outer display of an inner change. You die to yourself. You die to the law when you believe. You are baptized. You go into the water one way. You come out of the water another way. You have now died to the law. And we come alive to Jesus. And we are married, now married, to a new husband. Can I share a secret with you? Here's what's going to happen. This wall right here is going to go all the way over. And then you know what? There's going to be a giant metal tank that's sitting back there full of water, ice cold water, all the time. So if you're in church and the Holy Spirit moves you just to say, hey, I'm hearing what you're saying. I've never done this. We're going to put you in the water and dunk you today, right? After launch, right? And it's going to sit right here, and it's going to sit right here all the time. And it may have some fish in it in a couple of months and some algae, but I'm a certified pool technician, so I can fix it, okay? Yeah. So that'll be all right. So that's going to happen. Remember, when we die for Christ, when salvation comes, we die. You die to yourself, and you are baptized and raised with Christ. The, what happens is the covenant with the law is broken because we are raised with Christ. We are taken to a whole new level. And if you hang around here long enough, you're going to learn about the authority of the believer. You're going to learn to know what comes with that. Because you're not just saved and going to church now. It's a whole new thing. It's a whole new level of life. And let me just clarify a few things, okay? The law is not bad. We're not going to just rip out the whole Old Testament and say, we're never preaching this. The law is God's moral standard right? It's a reflection of God's moral standards. It's not a bad thing unless you're trying to live by it and, and base your salvation relationship with Jesus on it, right? It's um, God's moral standards, and it shows us God's desires, right? We're going to talk more about that next week. Here's what happens is the law we discover today isn't a bad thing, right? But then here comes Satan. Do you think he knows that? And he's going to take this law like, do not covet. And then Joel shows up in his brand new Lexus, and you're like, huh, wish I had a Lexus. Wish I had a brand new truck. Wish I had a $2,500 lease-up bonus. 
right? We end up start coveting other people's things, right? And then Satan bounces along and says, uh-huh, see, you're no believer. That's exactly what he sounds like, just like that. And what happens, guilt, condemnation, and all these things happen. So luckily you're here today so you can understand that he can't touch you with the law. He can't bring guilt and condemnation with the law because you're married to somebody else. Right? Jesus. So a couple thoughts about the law in your hand out there. Number one, the law cannot justify. But pastor, what's justify mean? Justified never sinned. Ideally, justified means to be declared righteous in God's eyes. That's kind of a big one. I would jot that down somewhere. That's a big one, to be declared righteous, righteous in God's eyes. That's justified. Look at uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, say no flesh, will be justified in capital H, his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is God's moral standard. It's supposed to show you what's wrong. Are you with me? It's, a, it's, God's, it's God's list, right? This is what you're going to talk more about this in a minute. Romans chapter 3, eight verses later, says this. Therefore, we conclude that a man, if that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Remember last week we talked about this righteousness that we come, comes with grace, comes by faith. There's nothing you can do. Here's the most thing you got to do to receive righteousness by faith. That's all the works you got to do. And then believe, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus is who he says he is, you shall be saved. That's it. The faith comes that way, and you believe it after that. Don't let the enemy come in and say, ah, that didn't work for you. That's everybody else for you. And here's what happens in, in, uh, in Galatians. The letter, Paul's letter to Galatians is written to a region of churches, Galatia, and Paul was having some serious issues in Galatia because there was Judaizers there, and these Judaizers would come in after he planted a church and planted grace, because he was a grace preacher, hallelujah, right? He would plant churches in Galatia, and then these Judaizers would come in and say, yes, you can get saved by Jesus, but you are sanctified or you grow into Jesus by your works. You have to do things to keep this relationship with Jesus. By the way, you have to please him. And, and Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, he's got a little attitude in his, in, he's got some bass in his voice here. He's kind of sarcastic, but he's, he's a little upset with these guys. And I love what he says. He says this in verse 1. He says, oh, foolish Utahns. That's what my Bible says. I don't know what yours says. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And I talk to my kids, right? When they come with some stupid saying or something, I'm like, who you been talking to? Who you been hanging around? Because that's not the voice of a rashid. That's somebody else's voice talking through him, trying to be cool like that. Like that. Right? Uh, he's, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ 
was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. He's like, you know this stuff. Why are we even talking about it? What have you been doing? This only I want to learn from you. He's like, tell me what's going on, right? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? What the heck, dude? Or by the hearing of faith. <laughs> he kind of lets them have it. He's like, you are so foolish. I think really that's like the G version of what he really said. Because Paul was short and he was really mad all the time. That's what most theologians believe. And I think it was because he was short and bald. Both at the same time. So he's like, you are so foolish having begun in the spirit and you are now being made perfect by the flesh. They were trying to receive Jesus and be saved and then try to fulfill that commitment by doing works. Completely wrong. Completely not the way the relationship works. Every religion, I say that loosely, teaches works, right? We have to work. Every other religion preaches you have to work to get to God. That's religion, right? God's relationship that we've been praying about in the upper room for 21 days is about relationship. Because when you say something, God leans in. That's relationship. Whether we are good that day, whether we're yelled at our wife or kicked our chihuahua, God leans in to you when you speak because you have the authority of Jesus. Kind of a big deal, really, right? We cannot begin by faith and then expect performance by works. Doesn't work that way, right? Uh, I think a lot of people have a hard time about this because we have been brought up. I know in my case, I shared with you what happened to me when I was a child, growing up in, in the Catholic Church, say it. Um, I didn't get saved until I was 33 years old. That's a lot of years of bad habits and bad backwards thinking. And a lot of times it takes us a long time to get our mind renewed, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, right? We got to renew our mind to the word. It takes a while. And that's okay, right? It's something to work on as we grow. It's called sanctification, being more like Jesus than the world, right? And uh, here we are, a lot of people married to a new husband, but yet we're trying to improve impress the old husband by what we do and the way we act, that's, that's a little weird, right? And so it's like, why don't we just focus on the one, right? So um, uh, during the fast, here's, here's a prime example of how this works, just like the Galatians. During the fast, um, somebody stumbles and goes and eats a double thick, juicy, cheesy cheeseburger dripping stuff off the, just amazing, right? Just fantastic with double fries with chili on it and cheese and a side of a Wiener Schnitzel chili cheese dog <laughs> and a Harmon's donut for Patty, okay? And you, here's what happens though, right? You eat that thing and I'm like, I totally forgot, we're fasting, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I got to call pastor. Pastor, I really blew it today on, I mean, not on purpose, on accident. Um, here's what happens. Here comes the works. I will fast extra days 
and I will go extra days without food, knowing that God didn't tell me to do that. I'm just doing that to please the law because it says that when you stumble, you have to, in the day when you are healed, you have to go show yourself to the Pharisee, the high priest, yeah, to, or to the pastor, and then he would tell you something, you were healed or you weren't. So what happens is when you stumble and you come to the, to the high priest or the pastor, and he says, go to do 47 Hail Marys and 83 Our Fathers or whatever, then here comes the guilt and the condemnation. But how many of you know we have been released from the law? We no longer have to perform. Now, I'm not saying if God says to do this, be disobedient. But here's what happens is our mind kicks into, oh, I got to save this relationship with my Savior because I screwed it up. When all you got to do is say, Father, I repent in the name of Jesus. Amen. Repent means turn completely, 180 not 360 and then go eat your chili cheese dogs. It's 180 and walk the other way. And that's not just for food, right? I'm just messing around because the fast is over. It can be for anything. Yelling at your wife, kicking your chihuahua, barking at your, your employees, whatever. Amen. Repentance is available 24-7. It's like 7-Eleven. It's always open. Right? So the law can never justify. We can never be right in God's eyes by performance. It's by position. Number two, the law cannot empower. Right? The law cannot produce righteousness in your life. Can't happen. We just read it comes by faith and faith alone. I love uh, Romans chapter 7. This is really what I wanted to nail you on today. He says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. That is crystal clear. We are no longer married to the law, right? We are married to Jesus, and we're not going to produce good works after we're going to produce fruit unto Jesus, we, we produce good works out of love for what he did for us, right? Galatians 2.21, I, uh, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If Christ died in vain, what in the heck are we doing here? Because this is not a Jewish synagogue. Just saying. It's, it's a little different. Very different. Right? A lot of marble, some statues. Very cool. This is not that. Definitely not with a black wall. Oof, that'd be bad news. The, wall, the law has no way the power to produce righteousness in our life. Otherwise, if that was the case, we could read the Ten Commandments and go, thou shalt not steal. Bam! I now have the power to not steal. Right? And remember, Old Covenant, Old Testament, no Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit would come, land, prophesy, and split. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and stayed. That helps us, like I said, helps us to be better. Not perfect, better. Better, not perfect. You can tell the difference between those two words, right? Perfect. Jesus, perfect. All the rest of us, nah, better. 
Let's just go with better. Better. Not perfect. Better. Right? Thou shalt not covet. I now have the power to not covet your Lexus. Oh, he left. Too bad for him. Here's the deal. If the law had the power to, to make us righteous, it would have. And everybody inside the law would be perfect right now. But we have been released from the law and joined to Jesus so that we can produce good fruit. Only Jesus can produce good fruit. We can't. With the help of the Holy Spirit is the only way the, the, the grafting together, it's called, works out. Are you with me? Yes. Right? Romans 7, 6 now. I want to read this from the New American Standard because there's a word in here I asked you to, to circle if you had your Bibles. It says, but now we have been released. Released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. Covenant needs death to break it. Okay? So that we can serve in the newness of the pneuma, Greek word spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Letter means ten commandments. Okay? That word released, say released, released. in the Greek means to be discharged. Okay? Go with me on this. Anybody ever see a full metal jacket? Right? With Lee Remy, is that his name? He's the drill sergeant in that movie. Anybody better in the military? Okay? Here's how this works. The law acts and, and seems and is embodiment of a drill sergeant. And, and if you've been in basic training, you know how this works. The drill sergeant shows up like Remy in that, that movie, and he tells these guys when they're going to eat, when they're going to go to bed, where they're going to go to bed, when they're going to shine their shoes, when they're going to do everything. And he tells them that they don't do it right. And he keeps them accountable. And they get punished for what they do every time, right, through that movie. Now, that movie's not a godly movie, so nobody go watch it and then send me an email, right? <laughs> this is terrible. Because, and, and listen to me, because in, I'm mentioning that movie because something super duper major happens in that movie. One of the soldiers can't take it. And he, he dies by suicide. How many of you know there's a suicide epidemic going on right now? Because people can't keep up with the demands of the law and they don't know that they have been set free Amen. by a Messiah. And that, to me, my friends, is terrible. When, when we talk about, when we pray about, especially during the fast, we were praying about carrying a seed that can change people's life, right? When you stop somebody from suicide, you change their life, right? And, and we see, especially in Utah, and I almost hate to say this, but there is such an emphasis on being a good person, and doing the law and trying to keep up like a drill sergeant just yelling at you all the time. You didn't do this right. You can't do that right. You'll never qualify. You're not smart enough. You're not tall enough. You're not pretty enough. Your hair is the wrong color. Whatever it is, it's, it's this. Non, stop. You'll never be good enough. And Jesus is sitting here going, let me help you. I am good enough. I can take your place. 
I have taken your place. And all of us carry a seed that'll change the life of everybody if we're bold enough to talk about it, right? The drill sergeant in our heads and in our life that we answer yes, sir, to just runs us into ground. We're never going to qualify to be good enough to come against the law and have God say, well done. But here's what happened. That word discharge, that release, that discharge works like this. The soldier in the movie gets discharged from the military service, and he's walking on the base, and the drill sergeant who's yelling at him to say, hey, stop. Because of Jesus, we can keep walking. Because that drill sergeant, the law, has now no authority in our life. That's a good place to say amen right there. The, we are no longer bound, it says, because of the law. We are no longer bound, and we can move forward without it. We can stop saluting the old husband, and cultivate the relationship with the new one. I said it last week, and I got a couple of good text comments about it. It's like, let's focus on Jesus' good works and stop focusing on our stupid bad works and our mistakes and everything we do wrong. Let's just focus on what Jesus did and leave our dumb, bad stuff all over the place. Here's another thing that was brought up last week. On, a, on an email, it says, so you're talking grace, and that means that you can go sin all over Salt Lake City and just be lascivious. That's the word they use. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know what that word means. So I had to look it up, right? It's just go sin all over the, all over the, um, all over the city. And I'm like, that's exactly not what you mean, what that means. And if you would come today and next week, you'll understand that because God's kingdom that we talked about several weeks ago works backwards. You don't understand. And he, he replied and said, okay, well, I'll watch it and we'll figure it. We'll talk again in a couple weeks. I'm like, fine. Here's what happens. God's, how many of you know God's kingdom is not like the world's kingdom, right? He says, if you want to receive, what are you supposed to do? Give, right? If you want to be, if you want some authority, you have to be under authority. That's the way God's kingdom works, right? Read the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes through the whole thing, right? If, if we want people to live holy and sanctified unto God, we don't preach the law and, make, and, and heap guilt and condemnation on everybody. We preach grace and freedom. And remember the Holy Spirit, that pneuma spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. No more drill sergeant. Nobody yelling and screaming at you, right? If we want uh, people to live holy, we are going to preach grace. That's why we preach like two or at least three grace series every single year. Because a lot of you have been beat up in your life. And you don't know the freedom that Jesus has for you. That's why we're here today. And if you can renew our mind and change things, um, it'll change your whole life. It did for me. And listen, I grew up under the thumb of Father Dishaw and his ruler. Everybody asked me why my knuckles are red. They're still recovering, and that was 50 years ago, right? Dangerous, those people. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says this. He says, the strength of sin, right, is the law. 
The strength of sin is the law. Remember, guilt and condemnation does not come from Jesus. It just doesn't. There's no way, right? And um, Romans 6, 14 again, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. It's amazing that uh, great things can happen in your life. The law can't justify. Last thing real quick, the law can't empower, but love can. Number three on your handout, love can. You know, if, if we were married to this critical, fault-finding, overbearing jerk that pointed out everything you want to be wrong, you wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be there. But you know what? Because of the love of Jesus, we can be free. And here's the thing, right? The law says, thou shall not commit adultery. If I looked at my wife and I said, I'm not going to commit adultery because the law says so, what do you think is going to happen? That's probably not going to land very well. But if I keep the law because of the love that I have for her, and I look at her and I say, you are the most beautiful, heartfelt, gorgeous, best hair I've ever seen woman. I have only eyes for you. Adultery is not a problem because my love is right here. I don't look all over the place. I don't have a problem stumbling because my love is focused on her. What if, church family, our love walk was focused on Jesus and his good works and we wouldn't have a problem with the law? We are, we are governed as Christian people. We're governed by a stronger Holy Spirit power than the law. And that's called love for Jesus. Let's all stand together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.